stars could shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, you just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. I realized that most of my best ideas have followed a good night's sleep. Thomas Edison. Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We are a program by, for, and with creative young people, a platform to give teens a voice right here on the Voice America Network Empowerment Channel. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be the Star You Are charity, a top nonprofit honored by GuideStar and great nonprofits. Please visit www.bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation and get more information about how you too can be a part of our mission to increase literacy and positive message media. Be The Star You Are needs your donations to help us help those in distress by providing books and many other resources. We have launched our Operation Wildfire Disaster Relief Fund for victims in and around Chico and desperately need donations to help ship much-appreciated books to victims. Please donate today at www. .bethestarur.org. You can even donate through PayPal Giving Fund with no additional fees. To start off our show today, which is all about sleep, we have radio show host and reporter Siri Paninja on a wonderful segment on sleep. Hi, Kenneth. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, take it away. So, as an AP Psychology student, I can talk about the various stages of sleep And previously, scientists thought that people were physically and mentally inactive during sleep, but they eventually learned that the brain and body actually do some work to maintain your health. So sleep consists of two stages, REM and non-REM stages. We start off at the REM stage and stay there for quite some time. Your brain becomes less responsive to the outside world, and thus it's harder for you to wake up. The functions in your body slow down, your thoughts gradually slow, and your long-term memories are filed away in the cabinets of your brain. Now, to address the question we have all been curious about, why is it named the REM stage? That is because during this time, we have rapid eye movement, therefore the name REM. And interestingly, this stage is where most of the dreams take place. Your pulse rises along with your breathing, body, temperature, and blood pressure. And the sympathetic nervous system, which is responsible for fight or flight, becomes active during sleep. Of course, your body stays still while some body functions constantly work. And one's body temperature decreases right before bed, when you're all in that tired, drowsy state. And it's at the lowest temperature about two hours before you rise and shine. So hence, the reason why a cooler room is the best temperature to make you fall asleep sooner. If you have to study for an exam, do some exercise or sit-ups or any kind of exercise so that your body temperature rises and ultimately makes you more active. And the opposite happens in the non-REM stage, where your heart and blood vessels get a chance to rest, power, and heal, 
and hence your pulse and body pressure lower. And the most interesting thing is that your brain activity when you're awake is the most similar to your REM stage with the rapid eye movements. Now, the moment we have all been waiting for, the mysterious realm of dreams, night terrors, for instance. That's when people seem awake and cry out in their sleep. And that occurs when they're in the deep stages. Well, how often do we deep sleep? When we are young, we deep sleep for about one-fifth the time of sleep, but the amount of deep sleep fades away as we age. And it could even become 0% at one point in time, which is unhealthy because deep sleep is a time when our bodies repair muscles and organs and heal all of the components. And going back to REM sleep, this is a stage when your body takes up all of the trash or cleans itself of all of its impurities. And if you had to play a puzzling or brain teaser game, it's best to sleep and then play the game. And that's why I sleep and I wake up to do my homework. And so you're more likely to get rid of unnecessary facts and recollect more useful information. During sleep, your body makes most of its hormones that change and modify the amount of food you eat, the weight you gain, and other important factors. So the moral of the story, try getting as much sleep as possible. Just to touch on the basics of sleep on the physical brain, the brainstem is a major controller of your sleep, and it works along with the hypothalamus. And ever wonder why your body does not move and act out along with the dream? For instance, if you're running away from something in your dream, why don't you physically move your legs and hands in real life? That's because the brainstem sends signals to temporarily paralyze your muscles. How interesting, huh? Yeah, it really sure is interesting. So you've taught us a lot about the mental benefits of sleep and how sleep can help you with how your brain works and things like that. Um, do you know of any physical advantages of getting a good night's rest? Well, it definitely benefits your heart and cardiovascular system and your weight. It also, you know, balances that and it sharpens one attention and, and also decreases inflammation, which is a major cause to heart disease, strokes, premature aging and diabetes. And that's why whenever I come back um, home, from school, I always take a power nap for about 30 minutes to one hour, and then I can actually get my brain to work and I can focus much better. Wow, yeah. So I guess getting good sleep is almost as important as, you know, like eating good meals and staying hydrated. Um, so what is that good sleep? What do you think is the recommended time in which a teen should sleep? So professionals, sleep professionals, they've been saying that it's nine to nine and a half hours per night, but most teens, unfortunately, get seven to seven and a half hours on average, and that should definitely improve. So always try getting, you know, at least nine hours, and, you know, when you rise and shine the next morning, you'll be able to focus and complete all of your tasks. Yeah, I can really relate to that. I'm lucky if I get, like, eight. Um, and I know a lot of people who get, you know, like five or six each night and they drink a lot of coffee and things like that to, I guess, offset that. Do you know any about the physical uh, effects of those kinds of, I guess you could call them drugs, uh, caffeine, things like that, um, you know, uh, the effects to which they can offset the lack of attention and refreshment that sleep gives you? Well, caffeine is definitely not healthy, and the most natural way to prep your body for the next day is to, you know, just, you know, get sleep or meditate before. And 
you know, caffeine is not that healthy and I personally don't drink coffee, but I know many people who do, including my father. And, you know, once you start, it kind of um, it kind of becomes like an addiction and you need to drink more caffeine. And I agree, it's nothing different than any other type of drug. And therefore, just try getting as much sleep as you can. And, you know, that's the most natural and healthy way that you can prep your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of not great to be, I guess, hooked on caffeine as a way to wake yourself up. You know, that should be what sleep is for. Um, do you know anything about, you know, interesting sleep myths or things like that? So just the other day in my AP psychology class, we um, we started the sleep unit. And whenever we start a new unit, we have this like tradition of taking a quiz. So it's like a pre-assessment and a post-assessment. So in the pre-assessment, I got like a bunch of myths and um, I can talk about around two right now. Um, so the first one is when driving, opening the window or listening to loud music or, you know, turning on the AC air conditioner to max. Um, so there's a myth that those are very effective ways to stay awake during driving. But trust me, the best thing is to actually stop somewhere and, you know, take the nearest exit and sleep. You know, loud music, even though it keeps you awake, your brain inside is not awake and you're eventually going to fall asleep, which is definitely not safe. And the next myth, the last one I have is when we don't get adequate amount of sleep, we accumulate sleep deprivation. And many people believe that maybe the next day, you know, I can sleep for three more hours to make it up. But unfortunately, sleep does not work that way. So the best thing to do is, you know, get around nine hours of sleep and, you know, you cannot um, go next, go to the next day and sleep for five more hours and be like, yay, I, you know, I, I am no longer sleep deprived. There's no such thing. So always try incorporating sleep into your schedule. Yeah, wow, that's pretty interesting. Um, about the driving thing, um, you know, playing loud music, opening the window, things like that. Do those things really not work at all? Like, they don't even kind of prolong your awakeness? Are they just completely ineffective, or do they kind of work? Well, they're completely ineffective, in my opinion and my perspective. And they're also harmful to your ears. And, you know, we have something called hair cells in our ears. I know that may sound surprising. And, you know, if you listen to loud volume music, that will definitely, you know, affect the ears. So it's not healthy for your brain or for your ears. So I definitely do not recommend that. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, staying awake is kind of a, I guess, hard thing to do, especially with driving. And I know a lot of us are learning how to drive now. And, you know, uh, falling asleep behind the wheel is a really big problem. And I guess the only cure for that is just to get more sleep and stay awake, be able to, uh, drive refreshed and you know clear-headed um, uh, yeah so about accumulating sleep and you know how I guess you said you can't really offset deprivation or like make up for a lack of sleep is there anything you can do after missing a lot of sleep um, to kind of uh, gain a boost of energy or do something to make your make yourself feel more awake Um, Well, throughout my days, you know, I'm a junior right now and I barely get time to sleep, but I try my best to at least put nine hours. Um, And I actually do meditation and I talked about this in one of the previous radio shows and I meditate for about 30 minutes to one hour every morning and night. 
And I listen to this nice classical music and studies actually show that classical music actually aids you in sleeping. And um, yeah, so I actually have quite a few ways to fall asleep, um, you know, including meditation or, you know, there's also another way. I always take a hot shower in the morning and after um, in the night. And apparently, if you take a hot shower one hour before going to sleep and then walk into cool air, you know, room temperature, um, it's actually proven to slow down your body's metabolism faster and um, it ultimately prepares your body for sleep. So, you know, how I stay, um, how I kind of boost my energy without gaining sleep, I usually take hot showers or meditate. Wow, that's that's actually a really nice tip. Yeah, I often have a lot of trouble going to sleep. So using that hot shower thing, that's, yeah, that's a really nice piece of information to have. Um, about meditation, does that really like... Uh, does it really have the like same effects that sleep does? You know, you were talking about how like sleep affects how your hormones behave and things like that. Can medita- meditation do that same thing or is it more just about like relaxing your mind? So meditation is when I kind of take deep breaths and things and nothing replaces sleep. You know, it's always best to, you know, go and sleep or take power naps. And meditation, it releases these neurotransmitters or serotonin and it just calms you down. It gets you to the state where you're so relaxed. And the thing which is hard for me during meditation is to just completely stop thinking about anything. And that's what makes it so relaxing. And, you know, your brain needs some time away from all of the stressful things in your life. And meditation, it does help with that. But if you can, you know, pick one over the other, definitely sleep is the best option. But meditation is always good as well. Wow, that's... Um, yeah, that's very interesting. Uh, yeah, so what a great way to begin our show. That was a really interesting segment and some really interesting discussion afterwards. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this segment, but we'll both be back to talk about the uh, sleep in our next segment. Listeners, be sure to support our show and these amazing segments by donating to Be The Star You Are charity that brings you this program. We have lots of fun events coming up, so check out www.bethestarur.org and follow our blog. I'm Kenneth Jun. And Watch Be The Star You Are's fun and informative videos at youtube.com slash be the star you are. Make sure to also pick up the new anthology Be The Star You Are Millennials to Boomers at cynthiabryan.com slash online dash store. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The Positive Message Outreach Program of Be The Star You Are Charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thanks for staying with us here at Voice America Empowerment. I'm Siri Panindra on Express Yourself, and today's show focuses on sleep. And I'm Kenneth John. Each week on Express Yourself, we base our program on a chapter from our newest book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, available at www.cynthiabryan.com slash online store. Today, Kenneth and I will be reading the chapter, The Gift of Sleep by Cynthia Bryan. Cynthia Bryan is a New York Times bestselling author of several books, TV, radio personality slash producer, and enrichment coach specializing in acting, media, writing, speaking, and life success. Cynthia is the founder and executive director of Be The Star You Are, 501 empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, improved message, media, and um, skills for a living. So, let's begin. Last night, I didn't sleep a wink as I watched. I was binge-watching Game of Thrones backwards. So much had occurred over the seasons that I decided to start at the end and move towards episode one. Not a great idea. For the record, even the Time Magazine September 2017 issue stated that among people who watched three or more episodes of TV before going to bed, sleep quality was decreased at a rate of 98%. All I could dream about was battling White Walkers, flying on fire-breathing dragons, fighting for the Iron Throne, and defending the wall. Today, I'm paying for my lapse in judgment with a foggy mind, sluggish body, and I still don't remember the beginning episodes. Winter is here. I know better, better than not to get my sleep. When I was younger, I survived on three or four hours of shut eye, a day proudly proclaiming, I'll sleep and I'll be dead. That was not a good lifestyle choice, as my health deteriorated rapidly. All recent research indicates that getting seven to nine hours sleep daily is one of the most restorative and healthy things a person can do for maximum wellness and productivity. At the turn of the 20th century, when most of the country farmed and electricity wasn't commonplace, sleep averaged 9.6 hours per night. Contrast that with today's average snooze of 6.7 hours, enabled by 24-7 everything. Is it any wonder that poor quality pillow time leads to sleep deprivation and ill health? Sleep is one of the most important things of which we have control that it can enhance our mood, health, productivity, happiness, libido, and keep our weight in check. Lack of sleep can produce heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and heart attack. When we are tired, we are more accident prone. We may trip, fall, or crash our car. It's estimated that over 100,000 motor vehicles accidents per year resulting in over 1,500 deaths, can be attributed to sleepy drivers. Sleep deprivation is as dangerous as being drunk. With sleep deficiency, our brains don't function properly. We have a higher rate of costly mistakes. Our cognition suffers as does our decision-making processes. We just can't concentrate, and our attention to details is decreased. When we are sleeping, our bodies heal while our minds get a much-needed respite. While with minimal sleep, we set ourselves up for illness. Our immune system is enhanced when we sleep. When it comes to weight control, our leptin levels drop when we are tired, leading to cravings for unhealthy, high-fat, high-calorie foods. We eat more, the numbers on the scale increase, and then we wonder why our pants don't fit. Unfortunately, sleep deficiency affects everyone. 
parents, airline pilots, healthcare workers, students, entrepreneurs, technology specialists, carpenters, and probably your accounting sheep instead of stars. Implement these strategies and start soaring. Number one, ban the electronics from the bedroom. This includes televisions, cell phones, computers, and tablets. The blue light from screens suppresses melatonin, the sleep-inducing wonder hormone. I know that many millennials keep their smartphones under their pillows. This is not a smart practice. Please reconsider. As far as TVs in the bedroom, well, your call. But remember that all the research indicates that TVs disrupt your sleep cycles. Pull the drapes and make the room dark. Blackout shades work great. Dim the light on your clock display. Number four, keep the bedroom cool. Maintain a temperature of 60 to 65 degrees. Number five, read a print book before nodding off, not an e-book. Number six, eliminate fast foods from your diet. Number seven, avoid alcohol and caffeine three hours before bedtime. Number eight, make sure your mattress, pillow, and bedding are comfortable, clean, and cozy. Number nine, refrain from any sleep meds. They could make you drowsier in the morning while only adding 15 minutes to your REM. If you can't sleep, get up and do something constructive. Clean the house, write a letter, and a scarf. You'll soon tire. Number 10, make your bed every morning so it's fresh and ready for the next dream session. Suffering from insomnia? Seek medical attention to address the problem as it could be a symptom of other health issues such as acid reflux, hyperthyroidism, or arthritis. If you incur night sweats, dry mouth, headaches in the morning, or are continually tired throughout the day, ask to be checked for sleep apnea. Treatments are really effective. An occasional Netflix binge is tolerable as long as it doesn't become a habit. It's imperative, getting, it's imperative to get sufficient sleep if you want to live a long, healthy, happy life of creativity, learning, growing, and achieving. And now for the exercise, sleep evangelist. In this technological age of 24-hour everything, it's easy to pass on sleeping. We can shop, eat, play, exercise, or watch TV at any hour of the day or night. Sometimes we get so busy with our work and social lives that we relegate sleep to the corners of critical. For this exercise, schedule yourself in your electronic calendar or day planner to take pleasure in eight hours of uninterrupted sleep once a week for three weeks. Don't accept any meetings or commitments that will interrupt this necessary leisure. If anyone attempts to entice you with a project or offer, exclaim, I'm so sorry, but I'm already booked with an important engagement during those hours. What could be more important than an appointment with yourself to enhance your body, mind, and spirit well-being? Add a day a week for the next 21 hour, 21 days, and on and on. Continue this exercise until you're sleeping 7 to 9 hours every day, 7 days a week. You will feel incredibly alive and wonder why you didn't implement this ritual earlier. You'll be praising the benefits of sleep and looking forward to the restorative qualities. Become your own sleep evangelist. Yeah, well, that was a really great chapter. And there are a lot of little details and little steps that Cynthia talked about that it really applied to my life. Um, you know, there are bad habits that I have done and still do. Uh, and yeah, this actually gave me a lot of information on like what I could do to fix those. Yeah, that exercise was really helpful. And there was also that bit in the beginning about watching Game of Thrones and, you know, not remembering anything. I can definitely relate to that. I've like binged five episodes and six episodes at a time of a TV show and just woken up the next morning not knowing what happened. And I'm just tired and like groggy. Yeah, that was, I thought that was a really, like, funny bit that she mm-hmm. just mentioned. Of course, that's relatable for me as well. And I really liked um, Cynthia's number five rule, which was read a print book before nodding off, not an e-book. And always tend to read, you know, chapter books, not necessarily for school, but something that, you know, pertains to my interests and 
reading books actually help. And I don't know if it's just for me, but, you know, I end up reading like 100 chapters, maybe not 100, but quite a few number of chapters right before I sleep. So, you know, that's definitely nice. And also number four, which was keep the bedroom cool. And that's really similar to how I said you should take a hot shower and then come out to the room temperature, which is cooler, you know, your body's metabolism and so on. Definitely, those tips are really good and I can definitely relate to both of them. Yeah, these all these tips seem really helpful. And there are some that I should actually start like putting into account in my life. Um, you know, she talked about number eight with, you know, making your bed. Uh, and I think it was number 10, the last one, you know, keeping your bed comfortable, keeping it fresh, keeping it clean. Yeah, <laughs> that's something I don't do very well. I'll just like get up in the morning and just hurriedly just like throw my blankets back on the bed. Yeah, I think uh, just like actually organizing it out and just keeping it clean, keeping it, um, I guess, tightly kept would be a really helpful thing to just keep it um I guess that's a relaxing place for me to fall asleep. Of course. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and it was saying that you should keep your sleeping environment very clean. And if you, let's say you wake up at around six o'clock in the morning and you have to get up at around seven. So instead of sleeping on the bed, you know, with your eyes open and, you know, counting sheep or whatever, um, it's better to actually leave that environment and then go to some other room and then sleep over there. Because the brain every night, it actually, it associates the bed with either, you know, tiredness or being awake. And if the brain remembers you sleeping on that bed with your eyes open, you, you know, surprisingly, um, you won't be able to sleep again. So it's always good to sleep on the bed and not do anything else on the bed. And I actually tend to, you know, do my homework on the bed sometimes or watch movies. But it's actually good to just keep the bed for sleeping because your brain, it remembers that yeah I've heard of that thing about like um, don't do anything but sleep in your bed I've never actually just connected uh, with the like with the fact that your brain makes that association that explains a lot yeah there are some nights where I'll just like I just don't want to sleep in the bed and I'll just go to the couch and just fall asleep in like 10-15 minutes right there I think that's probably why that happens um, I know it's probably not something I should do but I guess that kind of explains why that happens sometimes and you know had some interesting bit of science. I think I could really use number one, which was banning electronics from the bedroom. And my parents, they actually put a limit on my social media time. And, you know, that's actually super smart because instead of, you know, scrolling through Instagram or anything, I just, you know, focus on sleeping. And also, um, just a random fact, but I keep my phone on the other side of the room so, you know, if I hear, you know, a ding sound, then I don't even go near the phone because, you know, it's too far away. So I definitely recommend keeping your phone away and, you know, that'll help you get, you know, proper sleep. Yes, this is like a really big thing for me and a lot of people I know. Um, yeah, I guess we as teenagers have like a bad habit of keeping our phones with me, us at all times and that includes the bed. Yeah, and... You know, I've heard that's not good. So I've tried to keep that away from me, try to stop that habit. I do the same thing. I try to keep my phone, like, uh, somewhere where I can't easily reach it. Um, one, because, like, that kind of limits the temptation to look at it before I go to bed. Also because, like, I can't I can't easily turn off the alarm in the morning and keep sleeping. Uh, but, yeah, just doing that, I think, like, really helps out with uh, your sleep and maintaining your sleep schedule as something... Um, you want to keep, like, healthy. 
Also, um, I wanted to add one thing to Cynthia's wonderful list of sleep tips. Um, it's always good to not eat and then immediately sleep. Your body cannot like change that fast from you know from the eating state, digestive state into like sleeping and resting. So definitely do not sleep and um, right after eating, you know, a full meal of dinner or anything. And that applies throughout the day. So if you have lunch, do not fall asleep right after. No, it's not preferable. And also always keep your diet to, you know, a healthy one and avoid high calorie foods and, you know, keep healthy. All right. Yeah. Well, that chapter was definitely fun read, but unfortunately, we, unfortunately, we are out of time again, uh, but we will be continuing in the next segment. To help you on your journey, pick up a copy of our book, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Celebrating Gifts of Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World. I'm Kenneth Jun. And I'm Siri Panidra. Visit www.bethestaryouare.org for more information about Express Yourself and Be the Star You Are, and look forward to chapters from our new anthology, Be the Star You Are, Millennials to Boomers, Positive Voices in a Changing Digital World, which is available now. Go to www.bethestaryouare.org events to find out more about upcoming opportunities for spreading positivity as a part of our charity. Make sure to keep listening as our show on sleep continues. Show the world your smile. Be the star you are. If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and edutained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. On Tuesdays at noon Pacific, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio on Voice America Kids. Come play with us at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Looking for a show about your favorite movies, stars, and DVD releases? Get ready for Kids First Coming Attractions on Voice America Kids Channel. Your hosts, the Kids First film critics, preview all the latest movies before they're released, interview stars on the red carpet, and share their reviews with you so you can make informed decisions about what you select to see. Our reporters, ages 7 to 16, will bring you a kid's perspective on these films. Kids First Coming Attractions is heard every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Kids. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Empowerment. I'm Kenneth John, and our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. This, in a, this edition of Express Yourself is about sleep. And I'm Siri Panindra. 
For this segment, we'll just be having a free-flowing conversation about sleep and its place in our lives as teenagers. Why don't we start off exactly with, you know, our sleep schedules? Yeah, so as teenagers, sleep is a, I guess, a source of a big problem in our most of our lives. Um, you know, as we get older, school, our effectiveness in school gets more, more and more important. So it's common, it's really common. Even more than that, it's basically a given that a lot of us will just start sacrificing uh, the amount of hours we have for sleep and just put that into work and extracurriculars, things like that, to keep up with our lives. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to talk... Uh, well, I, just talk, I just wanted to talk about different sleep schedules and how, I guess, different teens, like, live with, uh, you know, going to sleep and work. Um, Siri, you said earlier that you do a lot of your homework in the morning, right? Could you just run us through that again? Yes. So when I come back um, home um, from the bus, I tend to be super tired. So what I do is I, um, I take a power nap for about 30 minutes to one hour or meditate, which I when I'm feeling like doing. And then I eat because, you know, eating after um, or sleeping after eating is not good. Um, and then, yeah, so sometimes I don't wake up because, you know, I'm super tired. And that's when I work in the morning. And, you know, I came back from a field trip just the other day. And what I did was I slept the whole evening after lunch. And then I woke up in the morning at around 4 o'clock. And then my brain was working. It was super sharp. It was super good. And, you know, that's definitely good. And I want you to add one of the misconceptions that I had a few years ago where studying is better than sleeping. So, you know, we all, you know, procrastinate sometimes. And, you know, I tend to believe that sleeping late and studying is good, but actually your brain won't remember a single thing if you study late in the night. And it's always good to at least sleep by 10 o'clock. That's at least my goal um, for sleeping. And it's always good to do that so that, you know, you don't affect your sleep and you're able to ace your tests the, the next day. Yeah, um, I heard that like sleeping or working that late into the night is just not good and it's not really going to be that good for studying, especially since your brain won't be able to remember a lot of things. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a problem I have. Um, I used to just, if I had a lot of homework or if I had a lot of work to do, I would usually just stay up till, you know, 2, 3 a.m., just try to get it all done and then sleep as late as, or yeah, as wake up as late as I could in the morning. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess like waking up is usually a more effective thing. Uh, this year I've tried to kind of change that if uh, it's coming around to 12 a.m., like midnight or 1 a.m. Uh, if I don't have too much left, I just have like simple math homework, things like that. I'll just try to save it for the morning, try to go to sleep as early as possible. Um, maybe wake up half an hour earlier, just try to finish in the morning. And if I don't, like whatever, it's not a huge deal if it's, yeah, not that important. Also, um, if I do the homework in the morning, I feel, you know, much better throughout the entire day. But if I go and sleep, you know, let's say 1130 in the night, the next day I will not feel good. And, you know, I don't know if it's just for me or for everyone, but doing homework in the morning is much more better than staying awake. Makes me feel better, look better, do better. That's that's definitely, you know, why I do work in the morning. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know about the thing where, like, if you sleep so late, where you go to sleep so late where it's, like, 4 a.m. maybe, and then you wake up at, what, like, 7 a.m., 
you might not actually feel that tired. Like I sometimes, when I've like slept super late into the night and wake, woken up pretty early, um, yeah, I don't feel that tired. I've heard friends talk about that before. And like while it feels like you're not tired and you're fine, yeah, that's just not a really healthy thing to do. You know, we talked about how like getting a good night's sleep is really important and it's, you can't really like make up for that, um, for those lost hours. And you'll notice, even if you don't immediately um, feel how tired you are in the morning, you'll notice later throughout the day, like how your brain is kind of slower, how your uh, thinking is a little more, I guess, uh, sluggish and muffled. You're not as sharp as you usually are. Yeah, and I'm super thankful that in my freshman year, I got exposed to these sleep facts. And I'm not sure if it's the same for your high school, but we have this health class and they give us a lot of insight on sleeping. And I remember for two weeks, we were told to do a sleep schedule. And, you know, that made me more effective in the morning. And I feel we should implement more, you know, more such activities and you know lessons so that teenagers especially during high school that they you know know these facts because sleeping it actually really helps and I'm so happy I learned about it um, from my health teacher yeah unfortunately we didn't get all that um yeah uh my sleep schedule is not that good I usually get like seven hours a night maybe but you know of course I know that there are people who get a lot less like almost down to like four hours a night, which is, you know, really bad. I think, you know, doing those kinds of exercises, the exercise that Cynthia mentioned earlier, just setting aside some time to really get some good sleep. Yeah, I think that would actually be a really helpful exercise for a lot of teens to just do, try to get into the habit of, you know, getting more sleep, putting some more importance on uh, the value of sleep. And yeah, I think it'll just make everyone feel better. Yeah, and so I wanted to talk about different ways to fall asleep and if you could share some personal methods or, you know, any methods that are known to the population. And I want you to begin with one of um, the ones I did research on, and it's called the mammalian dive reflex. And apparently, um, before you sleep, you have to put your face in cold water, um, you know, with ice cubes preferably, and that lowers the heart rate and the blood pressure. And those are like the ideal sleeping conditions. And that'll make you fall asleep. So, you know, that's really interesting. It's called the mammalian dive reflex. So you guys could do research on that. But I'm going to try it tonight. Hopefully that works. And I'll let you guys know. Yeah. Um, something I've personally done. I think it also has to do with just like kind of cooling your body and things like that. You know, I know a lot of people have like a habit of like hugging a pillow or something. And I do that sometimes. And yeah, I've run around and I've like seen that it actually might just be like, you know, if you hug like a cool pillow, it feels nice. It kind of makes you feel a little cooler. And that also helps you fall asleep better. It makes you feel more comfy and relaxed in your own bed. And I also listen to slow tempo music. You know, sometimes, I don't know, I like classical music sometimes that really relaxes me. But even some instrumental karaoke's to my favorite songs. Um, you know, any slow tempo song like Beethoven, for example, you know, that's what I always use to help me fall asleep. So along with meditation, you know, the slow kind of music, you could even combine it with meditation. You could even put some nice, relaxing meditation music you find on YouTube. You can combine that. And, you know, music and meditation, they both, you know, they interconnect and they both help me, you know, get sleep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do the same thing. I listen to music. I don't listen to classical music because, you know, <laughs> I'm just not well versed in all that, and I, like I can't appreciate that as well as some people too. Uh, but yeah, I listen to just I guess easy to listen to songs, just like soft pop things like that. Um, yeah, and I've heard that you shouldn't actually listen to music with words in it because that actually draws your attention and it prevents you from being able to drift into sleep. But then I've also heard that like if you know every single word and like it comes so easily to you, uh, there's not really like the danger of that happening. You can just kind of know what each word is saying so it doesn't really stand out to you anymore. And that can actually kind of work to help you uh, drift into sleep. And um, a question I had um, before the show was, do counting sheep, do they actually work? And I did some research on that, and I couldn't find a single, you know, statistics or anything or any study that proved that counting sheep actually helps. So I guess instead of counting sheep, you know, do any of the methods we talk we talked about because that doesn't work. I know it's sad, but it doesn't wait, work. Wait, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is actually really interesting. I like had the same question, and um, I I had no idea what like the actual conclusion was. You know, I couldn't really find anything with like a definitive answer. You know, some people were saying that it helps you um, do something mundane, I guess, uh, just like a mundane task that you can almost like bore yourself to sleep to. But then, you know, I've heard like personal experiences as well as like scientific things that like say that doesn't really work. It's not like a super good way of relaxing yourself. I mean, like, yeah, using those other methods would just be a lot more efficient and a lot more effective. Also, I recommend yoga, so um, that actually helps, you know, doing stretches or doing exercises. I always do running before I sleep. You know, I try putting that in my schedule as well. And I use the treadmill. I don't really go outside because it's super dark. But you guys could even run in place. You know, those are always helpful. Doing lunges or basically getting yourself to a tired state. That'll definitely make you want to fall asleep. So if you're not tired... Always do exercises. You know, it's good for your body and it's also good for your sleep. So I recommend, you know, doing exercises as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a classic way of, you know, draining the energy so that your body wants more energy. That's just a good way to fall asleep. Um, you know, we talked about how exercise can actually, like, uh, energize you a little more, get your blood pumping. Um, you know, if you need to study or something like that, doing simple exercises can be helpful. So I guess, you know, doing it right before you fall asleep isn't the best idea, but getting yourself tired, getting yourself, like, in that state, in that mood for just a way to relax and get more energy, yeah, that's always a good way. Mm -hmm. And um, I want you to bring up one more myth, um, if you have the time. And basically, uh, many people say that snoring is not a common, is a common problem, um, but it isn't harmful. But actually... You know, looking back in the hindsight, it's actually called sleep apnea, and that's a sleep disorder. And, you know, that's actually, it causes, you know, different kind of um, red reductions in blood oxygen levels. It strains the heart, the cardiovascular system. So snoring on a frequent or regular basis has actually been associated with such diseases. So I'm not sure how to, you know, register snoring, but it's definitely not good. Wow, yeah, I can use that on, like, my parents or friends or something if they're snoring really loudly. It's unhealthy for you. Stop snoring. 
Well, that was definitely an interesting conversation. But unfortunately, we are out of the time and we'll be moving on to our final segment. I'm Siri Panindra. And I'm Kenneth John. Find more information about our show at www.expressyourselfteenradio.com. Make sure to follow Be The Star You Are and express yourself at www.bethestarur.org to support our show and find more information about our literacy and positive media charity that has been named a top-rated nonprofit for years now. Stay tuned for our next segment where I'll be doing another edition of my segment, 2020 Vision. Are you a teen interested in becoming a radio personality? The positive message outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity trains dedicated young people to be reporters and hosts on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com for information. That's ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Don't forget to tune in to Express Yourself Tuesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Kids, where teens talk and the world listens. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back to our show. My name is Siri Panindra, and you're listening to Express Yourself Teen Radio. For our fourth and final segment for today, my co-host Kenneth will be sharing his camera lens perspective on sleep in his segment 2020 Vision. Take it away, Kenneth. Thanks, Siri. So today's theme is sleep, and when talking about movies and shows, that can only mean one thing, dream sequences. Dream sequences have so much potential to be amazing. They're like Pandora boxes of cinematic fun. They take place in the character's mind, so you're not limited by any standards for realism. You can pack in as much weird, mind-bending, surreal visuals as you want, while also filling the scene with poetic symbols and themes. Horror, or just pure uneasiness in specific, is a big element that movies often strive to achieve with a dream scene. That seems to be a pretty logical goal of a dream sequence when you think about the role of a dream in most narratives. Dreams are elaborate ways to convey ideas hidden in the character's subconscious. An interesting narrative is always based around a conflict, so the most important character thoughts you want to focus on should have a lot to do with that conflict. Thus, you have tension. Now, there are several ways to go about this. Obviously, a character's nightmare is ripe with potential for terrifying images and visuals. You also have movies like Inception, where you're able to utilize a dreamscape to create heightened action set pieces to make for more intense fights and chases. While dreams are full of potential, there is always a very big problem that must be taken care of for anything in the dream to actually narratively work. A dream is not real life, so real life stakes do not matter. If a character gets injured or dies in a dream, it doesn't matter, it didn't actually happen. Good dream sequences are good because they have a special way to circumvent this. In Nightmare on Elm Street, they have the classic die in the dream, die in real life rule and play. Pretty simplistic, but it works nonetheless to get the audience to care about what happens in the dream. In Inception, the characters have a goal to accomplish within the dream. Characters don't die in real life if they die in a dream, but it wakes them up, preventing them from completing their goal. 
the attention is not about whether the characters will immediately die, but whether they'll complete their important task. And as a small side note, the rules of that movie do eventually get a bit more complicated than that, but that's basically the gist of it. And then there's David Lynch and his dreams. If you've never heard of Lynch, he's basically known as the master of cinematic surrealism, with special expertise in dream sequences. With several masterpieces under his belt, he is commonly referred to when people talk about any movie or show with strange, quirky visuals. The thing about his dreams is that while they are usually about horror, they rarely aim to scare you outright with frightening images and noises. Rather, his scenes contain slightly odd noises, sights, comments, edits, and movements that work together to deeply unsettle and disturb you. In my opinion, this is the most effective way to utilize a dream. We can look at the first dream from his famous TV show, Twin Peaks. Uh, this dream sequence is one of the most iconic dream sequences of all time, and puts on display a large part of what makes Twin Peaks and David Lynch so special. The show as a whole is about the brutal murder of a teenage girl, and so a sense of mystery and horror persists throughout each episode. This dream, which takes place in the second episode, acts as a small little climax to the mystery set up in the first two episodes. So, as our main character, an FBI agent named Cooper, goes to sleep, he begins dreaming about his investigation into the murder. The first part of the dream consists of a montage of visuals, no fast cutting, no sudden crazy movements, just one image fading into another. We see candles going out, a mysterious man talking about cutting his arm off, another man crazily looking around saying that I'll kill again. Then we come into a strange room with long red curtains and some couches. The young Cooper has gray hair and his face is wrinkled. He begins conversing with a dwarf and his cousin who looks exactly like the murdered girl. When they open their mouths, their speech comes out like a backwards voice recording. And I don't want to give away the ending of the scene because it's built around not knowing what will happen, but yes, it is very strange and unsettling. The stakes lie in the desire for more information about the murder, and you as the audience go through the scene and analyzing every little detail for some kind of clue. The entire show is submerged in mystery, and this dream sequence plays on this perfectly. I called it a climax to the mystery earlier, but not because it gives away information, but because it doesn't. The strange visuals and riddles only go to show you how much you know, don't know about this mystery, how confused you as a viewer truly are. It's not scary because it directly frightens you, it overwhelms you with dreamlike qualities to show you how frightened you should actually be. Well, Kenneth, that is very interesting, um, especially since I love movies, like who doesn't? And I want you to go back to um, the Twin Peaks scene, um, the dream scene specifically, and doesn't withholding information make the scene narratively pointless? And why is that dream scene in Twin Peaks an important scene? Yeah, um, yeah, I think that's like a very interesting uh, scene because, you know, how we talked about it's kind of showing the audience about how much they don't know. It doesn't really introduce any new information, uh, at least not immediately. And it's just submerging, fully submerging the audience into... Uh, an atmosphere of just confusion and mystery. You know, the first two episodes have kind of built up this strange town and this strange murder. And then, you know, with the visual comes the, uh, or with the dream, rather, come the weird visuals and weird noises, uh, weird characters that make the audience fully realize how strange this show actually is. And there are little bits of uh, information within the scene, like little clues, but they aren't, you know, they aren't explained right away, and they take a while for the, uh, for them to actually make sense within the context. So yeah, I think it is an important scene just because of how it introduces, it fully introduces that show to the audience. 
Yeah, so dream scenes, they, they are really mysterious. And I was wondering, what do you personally think is the purpose of most um, movie dream scenes? Do you think dreams are somewhat foreshadowing what is going to happen to the character? Or do you think it's just for, you know, interesting the audience? Yeah, definitely. Um, dream scenes are like, I guess you could say like inherently uh, poetic. Uh, you know, they take place in a character's mind. So they always have a lot to do about what that character is thinking about. You know, it's like, it's like a visually interesting way to uh, portray the subconscious. You know, um, little fears or little worries, even, I guess, like bits of happiness. You can kind of put that, manifest that into uh, different things, objects, people, and just place them in a dream. And they have like a way of conveying one character's uh, feelings. So, yeah, it's just like an interesting way to create emotion about a character's emotions, I guess you could say. Yeah, that's very true. And, you know, dreams, I'm always told that whatever your conscious is thinking about or whatever is in the back of your mind, that's that's basically what's going to come on your dream. So I guess, yeah, it's definitely foreshadowing. And, you know, I loved how you talked about the Twin Peaks dream scene. Um, do you know any other great dream sequences, you know, that are famous or that you know of? Um, yeah. Uh, so, like, David Lynch is famous for having, like, very intricate... Um, I guess, kind of unsettling dream sequences. So, you know, the other David Lynch movies like Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead, <clears throat> I don't want to explain, like, too much about them because, yeah, they are kind of good scenes and good movies to just go in without knowing a lot about. But, yeah, they kind of have that same quality about just being really surreal while also having a lot of um, narrative and cinematic purpose to them. And then there's also one of my favorite movies of all time. I've talked about it before. Uh, it's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And yeah, those aren't really about creating horror and tension, but they are still, uh, they still do have a lot uh, to do with showing what's in a character's mind and showing how a character truly feels um, underneath a bunch of different layers. Yes, and we talked about, you know, negative dreams and how they're symbols of foreshadowing. But what do you think is the purpose of positive dreams? It's kind of like the complete opposite of a negative dream so what do you think the purpose of positive dreams are yeah um positive dreams are usually like i think they would in a movie at least be usually used to portray complexity behind happiness you know happiness is usually a bit more simple to portray or describe than a fear or worry or things like that so if you were to make a positive dream or like a happy dream um you know, you can either make it like comedic to just show how a character feels by inserting a bunch of jokes or like weird, wacky um, visuals, or you can kind of explore why that character feels happy, why, what that character feels happy about by just going into the little details in his subconscious, his or her subconscious. Wow. Dreams have, you know, such a meaningful, you know, information, whether it's real life or in a movie. And I definitely gained a new perspective on movies. And the next time I watch one movie, I'm going to go and look at the dreams and, you know, analyze it. So thank you for that. Surely another interesting take with lots to talk about. But again, we'll now be saying goodbye for the week. We give our thanks to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be The Star You Are, and our Voice America Empowerment Crew, especially our wonderful voice engineer. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world and our listeners for making us a top-rated program. I'm Siri Paninja. 
And I'm Kenneth Chun. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, charity efforts, and outreach programs, go to our main site at www.bethestarur.org. Until next week, remember, make this the best year of your life. Volunteer, smile, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines If you would let yourself